Release the Kraken. There you go. God bless you. We'll pray for you. That is the teachers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's just pray, commit this to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, thank you uh, for an opportunity to open the Word of God. And uh, Father, we bring our hearts before you now, asking you to mold them, asking you to touch them, Lord, and just bring about your miracle that would be Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we also pray for the children going upstairs. Uh, keep them safe up there and help them to see their calling, Lord, the calling from God in their lives. And may these young people grow up to be great servants of God. We commit this time to you, Lord. Uh, bless speaker and hearer. And may you just get all the glory. May you get everything you want. Father, from this time and from our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's glad to see you all here today. Uh, we have people from all over the place. We have people all the way from Philadelphia here today. Woo, woo, woo. All right. Strange places like St. Charles, you know. <laughs> way down south in West Chicago. You know, Lombard, that's way far away. Okay, if you could open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. And we're going to look at ordinary people that did amazing things. So I entitled this uh, talk today, God's New Year. God's new year. The new year 2019 starts in two days. Um, that's new. That's brand new, right? It's another day, right? But yeah, there's a year coming, and we don't know what's going to happen in that time. We have a new pastor starting in February. That's very exciting. I know everybody here really, we're really excited about that. And this may be my last time preaching for quite a while. I'm excited, actually. <laughs> it's a tough thing. Uh, you know, in the spirit, I'm going to say that this is a great experience in the spirit. In the flesh, I'm going to say that this is tough. Okay? Because, you know, I could come up with a sermon... Uh, I could take a passage of scripture and break it down, have a nice talk, you know, devotional talk, but that's not what I want to do. And I know that's what the brothers don't want to do either. We want to get something from God. Yes. And sometimes when you try to do that, well, all the time when you try to do that, it's not that easy because God has to work in the preacher as well. And God has to bring you down a path where you can finally understand what he's trying to say. And so in the flesh, I'm going to say, thank God for the new pastor coming. <laughs> so here we go. And so we don't know what's going to happen this year. You know, we like to think what's going to happen, you know, coming up here. Uh, we're going to make New Year's resolutions. 
you know, is it, <laughs> is it even worth it? Uh, now, if we had a time machine, like a TARDIS, <laughs> this is a little inside joke, I apologize. And this year, you know, we could see good things, we could see bad things like Daleks. For the Doctor Who fans, all right, I was like, I'll tell you, and then I'll move on. We, uh, we had our wise guys meeting yesterday, actually breakfast. And oh, by the way, all you men are welcome to come. And the ladies too, because you can sit with Tish on the far table. So they dared me to use a key word here this morning, and somehow it did fit in, and there you go, Dalek. Oh, you Doctor Who fans, whatever. Okay. The rest of you are like, well, I really wish you'd get on with it now. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. And then, you know, for ourselves, we think, you know, what's going to happen to me this year? For the church, we think, what, what's going to happen in the church this year? You know, what kind of uh, things like ministry, outreach, fun, fellowship are we going to have? Are we going to meet new people that are going to come in here? Um, so we're really excited about these things. And so, you know, did you hear what I just said? I said, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? But, you know, there's a better question here, and that is this. What will God do this coming year? What will God do? What's his resolution? Uh, John five seventeen. Jesus said... My Father is always working, and so am I. God is always working. Do we go into our day thinking that he's working around me? We forget a lot, don't we? I know I do. So for 2019, what is he doing? Can we recognize him at work and cooperate with him? So we're going to look at a couple of famous servants that were called by God, they recognized it, and they obeyed. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start by looking at Noah. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now here's Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now we see in that short passage that God did something. God warned Noah. So, God made his plans known to, to Noah. My point being is that God will make his plans known to us. Okay? As a matter of fact, God commanded Noah to build the ark. It wasn't Noah's idea. And when you think about it, God even provided every single detail of how to build the ark and what to do. Do you see God at work? Do you see God planning things? Do you think this applies to you and I as well? Absolutely. All right. Then in verse 8, here's Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed. 
by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And so God called Abraham. He said, come out from your father's people and country, a place really where there was idolatry, so that Abraham would inherit Canaan, which is a promised land, and he would form a family that would bless the entire world through the birth of Jesus Christ and through the death, burial, and resurrection of that baby. So Abraham obeyed despite not even knowing where he was going. Now that's trust. (laughs) That's trust. God called Abraham, and he sent Abraham, and he was to reveal more later on. Again, do you see God initiating? It wasn't Abraham's idea. God grabbed Abraham and he said, I'm calling you. Now you need to obey. And then one other very short passage. This is Moses, verse 24. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So, again, here you go. Look at Moses. He'd rather endure ill treatment than to have riches and glory. Wow. You're like, who would do that? Who would want to be treated ill, you know? I mean, that's not for me. But Moses was a man who received vision from God. And he saw there was something much greater coming. And so you see again, God is initiating. And by the way, God, his whole plan with Moses was to go in and deliver the Hebrews from the Egyptians. And again, this was not Moses' idea. And when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, it wasn't him saying, let my people go. When you read it, the Lord says, let my people go. Do you see the difference there? It's not just our ideas, but it's God initiating what he is doing in our lives and around us, in our personal lives, in the church, in our families, God is initiating, and we proceed according to what he is directing us to do. And so there's some common themes from these three examples, okay? First of all, God is doing something. He is at work. He is always working. God initiated his plan. He invites people to join him. And you've heard the phrase, called by God. Are you called by God? By the way, if you are a child of God and you're born again and you receive Christ, he has called you. You are called. And now your job is to find out what what that's all about. And that can change year to year as well. That's right. You say, up to 2018, my life's been boring Boo-hoo, (laughs) boo-hoo. 
But 2019 doesn't have to be the same. Let's see what God can do for us, huh? Do in and through us. Also, another common theme, the people must believe him. There must be a trust. Or you're not going to obey. Then the people must make adjustments to accommodate his plan. People must obey immediately. Keyword. And then the last thing is the reward comes after the obedience. You're only going to see his power at work after you obey. That's the way God does it. So I just have a couple of points here to make. The first one is this. God invites us to join him. He invites us to join him. So we see God chooses to work with and through ordinary people in partnership. He doesn't have to do this, but he does. Isn't that something? God is almighty. He can do anything he wants. He can squash anything, anybody he wants. He can stop anything, anybody. He can open up any body of water like the Red Sea in one moment's time. But rather, he chooses to work with men and women. And that's amazing. I believe he does this to show the world, that is, when I say world, I'm I'm talking about angels and mankind. God is showing angels and mankind his wisdom and power. Why do I say that? God could have destroyed the fallen people. When Adam and Eve sinned, he could have said, I'm done with this. Bye-bye, wipe them out. He could have locked up Satan forever and simply just started over. He's the God of creation. He can create anything he wants. But he didn't do that. I believe it's because he instead he chose to display his most amazing attributes, which were not just power, which were not just uh, wrath and the ability to destroy, but the attributes of love, service, and humility. That's our God, this amazing God. Three of his greatest attributes, this is my opinion, are love, service, and humility. And so, what did God do? Rather than just destroy everything and start over, what was his answer? Well, we just got done with Christmas. He sent a helpless baby into the world in order to save the world. His big enemy, Satan, got beaten by a baby. (laughs) Tell me that's not glory. Tell me that's not God's amazing wisdom and power. And Jesus came into the world and he displayed what? Love, service, humility. And love, service, humility completely destroyed the works of the devil. And that's why God uses you and I. Because we are weak and helpless in many ways. We have to depend on God. But he chose us. He chose you. He called you. He says, I want to do something through your life. Right? You believe that this morning? Say amen. (laughs) All right. Some preachers get mean like that. If you don't respond back, you know, then 
It's okay. You don't have to, all right? Take it easy. <laughs> all right. So we need to see 2019 as what? As an invitation from God to join his work. Okay? Yeah. Very good. 1 Corinthians 3.9. Paul said, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It tells us, that verse, that we're in partnership with God. He called us to his work. Matthew 4.19 and 20. And he said to them, that's Jesus, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Do you see the amazing invitation that God makes to men and women? He says, come, follow me and I'm going to do something in your life. Praise the Lord. God's invitations often come in unusual ways as well. We may be praying for God to show us his will and what he wants us to do. Then, an invitation comes along. It may not be in the form you expected. Invitation comes along to be part of or to help out somewhere, and we completely miss the connection. We think that we will surely be doing something bigger or smaller or something that we enjoy doing. So we often forget to connect our prayers with what comes next. Isn't that true? We're looking for an answer, right? So we pray. We're seeking God. We're praying, praying, praying. And then God brings something your way, and you're like, that's not it. (laughs) We have to make the connection, what God is doing. Okay, when you pray... You need to look. You need to be watching and praying, as Jesus said. Here's a quote from Blackaby. And I got several quotes from Blackaby from Experiencing God because that book has been really uh, rocking my world, if, if I'll say that, you know, in a spiritual sense. It's been really affecting my thinking and, and blessing me in amazing ways. And I'm beginning to see God working around us. See? Because I've been made aware, I need to look. Okay? So Blackaby wrote this, God has always been at work in our world, and he is now active where you are. He is. When God is ready to involve you in an assignment, he will take the initiative to reveal what he is doing or what he is about to do. When he does, this will be your invitation for you to join him. And that's exciting. That's very exciting. He's inviting us today. Big time. Second point is a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. And so crisis basically means a decision point. We all hit a crisis every day, you know. Traffic jam, do I stay here? Do I get off and go around it? And take twice as long to get to work. So, no doubt we're going to experience many more crises in 2019. But this invitation that God brings to you and I to join his work, it will bring us to a decision point. And that decision point is this. 
Will I choose to trust God in what he is calling me to? Will I trust him? And a great example, you know, Moses is a person we're talking about this morning. Moses, when God called him, said, Wait a minute, Lord, I can't speak. So now he's got a crisis of belief. He's talking to God who just invited him to do something and called him. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And so now Moses is faced with the fact that, hey, I don't know if I can do this. Well, then why did God ask you to do it? You need to think about that, Moses. And then later on in Moses' life, as they leave Egypt, where do they end up? Cornered at the Red Sea. Do you see how that works? Now that was a crisis of belief right there. What do we do? Egyptians coming, Red Sea there. Oh boy, Moses, what have you gotten us into? And he's thinking the same thing. <laughs> But God called him out, right? So God provided. And God opened the Red Sea, and they walked away free. How wonderful. There's another one we didn't read about yet, but I love this story in the Old Testament. And by the way, the Bible is filled with these kind of stories. It's just That's why I love the Old Testament, because you see these people's lives and what they overcame. It's amazing. But this one I want to talk about here briefly is Esther. Esther, what a story. Um, she got put into a position that was amazing. She became queen. And the evil Mordecai wanted to destroy all the Jews. So, I'm sorry, Haman. Haman's evil. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wow. You're going to run me out of here. No. Um, Uncle Mordecai was a good guy, and I love Uncle Mordecai. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, the guy who would not bow to Haman. Good for you, Mordecai. Be a man. <laughs> so uh, Mordecai told Esther, you have to talk to the king. And Esther knew that if the king didn't accept her, she would be killed. And it was a tough thing for her to do. But finally she said this, If I perish, I perish. She reached a decision point. You know, this is what you have to do. This is what God is telling you to do. But I could get killed. Something could happen. But God called me, right? Yes, he did. Is God actually God? Well, yes, he is. He is. He is the great I am. He is everything we need him to be. Praise the Lord. Here's a Blackaby quote. People look at the church and see nice, devoted Christians serving God. That's nice, isn't it? They think we're nice people. Yeah. But they don't see God, unfortunately. They don't witness anything that can be explained by God's activity. Why? Because we aren't attempting anything that only God can do. So sometimes, maybe a, a fault that we have is we play it a little safe. Right? 
And then Blackaby says, When God's people in the world see something happen that only God can do, they will come to know God. And that's what we want, isn't it? And so don't be surprised that after God invites us to, to join him, that we encounter a crisis of belief. So be ready to choose to trust God. All right, the third point is required adjustments. To join God in his work requires adjustments on our part. The Oxford Dictionary says the word adjust means to alter or move something. I thought it was interesting it said slightly. Sometimes it doesn't seem like just slightly, believe me. In order to achieve the desired fit, appearance, or result. And so we need adjustments when God calls us. Because what we have going on doesn't always fit with what God is calling us to. Kind of like a puzzle, you know. If the piece was not formed right, it's not going into the, the puzzle. Right? And so there's some things in our lives that have to be dealt with. Some adjustments sometimes that we have to make. We get invited, right? Then there's a crisis of belief. We believe God. But then God starts looking at things and saying, this here. Let's talk about this. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus is speaking, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And I like that, take up his cross daily. Because this is not just talking about when you got saved. Yeah, I got saved, yeah. You know, I came to him when I got saved. I denied myself, got saved. No, every day, (laughs) every day, come to Christ. Do you have a walk with Jesus Christ? What do you mean by that, Garth? I mean, are you seeking him? Are you opening up the word of God? I mean, this is how he speaks to us right here. Are we praying? Are we finding out what he wants? Are we finding out what he doesn't want in our lives? That's, we need to be doing that, right? And so there are adjustments that we need. And I have this on your notes. The adjustment is the denying of self. That's where it starts. And then it gets more specific. Because the adjustment can be several things. I'll mention a few. One is money. What are you doing with your money? Some people live for money. I mean, I'm all for make as much as you can and give, give to God's work. Do it. Bless other people. Praise the Lord. That's a good thing. But when it becomes all about self, money is bad. The adjustment you may need to make is in sometimes relationships. You know, some relationships are not godly. Some relationships will steal your time away from what God is trying to do. Okay? And you have to make the application in your life. Um, another one is your vocation. Here again, there are some vocations that are not real compatible. They're not exactly godly type things. I'm not even going to get into it. 
All right. <laughs> One is time. Sometimes we need to adjust our time. And I think this is one of the worst ones uh, for people to do. I know it is for me. I, I, uh, I enjoy my time, right? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the, the, there's a Saturday coming up, and I think, yeah, all right, I get time off. I can relax. I can take a nap. Grace got me pinned right there at the nap thing. Um, but then you find out, well, there's something going on on Saturday. <laughs> but God is calling us into his work. God is doing things. Okay, and then that's, so you see the, the rub there. I'm sure you have your own issues with time. Place where you live can be very destructively bad for you. Look at Lot in the Bible. It said that righteous man was vexed every day of his life because he lived in Sodom. So, you know, sometimes we have to make decisions. We're going some other place. Trust the Lord for all these things. And the ultimate adjustment actually is going to be who or what you depend upon. We need to depend upon God. John 5, uh, I'm sorry, 15.5. I think your notes say 5. This is John 15.5. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. All right, so speaking of Jesus, he was the ultimate adjuster, not an insurance man, okay? Like that, that old hymn, Blessed Insurance? Uh-uh. No, assurance. I knew Debbie would like that. Some of you in this room have never even heard that song, probably. I won't have show of hands. Jesus was the ultimate adjuster. He continually in his life, continually and immediately adjusted to his Father's will. You see this continually. All right? John eight twenty nine says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And you see phrases come from Jesus like, I must go to the next town. My time is not yet. The 5,000 are there. We're going to feed them. He was continually adjusting his life, his schedule, his energy, his time, relationships. All those things I mentioned, he constantly adjusted them based upon the Father's evaluation and will. And if that's the way Jesus did it, I think that's the way we're supposed to go. I don't think on this earth we're ever going to make it the way he did it. However, we can become more like him all the time, right? Because he can do that in us. He is a God who does amazing things. Jesus continually adjusted. What we do, God calls us, right? We have a crisis of belief. We choose to believe him. He says, now I want to make an adjustment. So we make one adjustment. And we think to ourselves, that's great. Now I'm done and making adjustments. (laughs) You know you're not done. (laughs) You've got to continually look to God. Immediately. Jesus immediately would turn. He'd be doing something. The Father would call him somewhere else, and he would say, we've got to go. 
we often need to pray about it for some time, right? God says, I want, I want to deal with this, this thing, your time. You're spending too much time doing whatever. It may not even be a bad thing, but you're doing too much of this. I need you to be doing something else. Like cutting the grass at the church. Okay, all right. I always got to do that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and so, we, we hear God speak to us, and he touches a nerve, right? He touches something needs to adjust. And so we have to pray about it. And so I need a, a, a day or two to pray about that. It turns into a week, two weeks, a month, a year, <laughs> decades. No, God wants immediate, immediate adjustment and obedience. Blackaby wrote this, Joining God may require major adjustments of your life to him, so he will accomplish his will through you. Our tendency is this, to want God to adjust to us in our plans. We want to obey God, but only on our own terms. And you know, in the Bible, some people do refuse to adjust. And I'll just give you one example. I don't want to get into all the negative stuff, but that rich young ruler came to Jesus. What must I do to have eternal life? Jesus knew that this man had an issue with possessions and money. It was an idol for him. Jesus said, go, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. It was an adjustment this man had to make if he wanted to serve Christ and follow him. And he wouldn't do it. So he went away, it said, very sad. Other people made adjustments. Noah, we read about, he made an adjustment. Did you know, I, I figure, I could be wrong about this, I'm not dogmatic, but I think that it took Noah about 100 years to build that ark. You think so? Yeah, okay, that helps. Got an amen here. Because it mentions Noah's 500, and then it says the flood came when he was 600. I'm just guessing that means he built it for 100 years. Could be wrong. If it wasn't 100, you know it took 30. <laughs> That's a big boat, and he didn't have, like, John Deere tools. You know what I mean? So other projects that Noah probably had, you know, were probably now on hold. Noah wanted to build a cabin by the lake so he could go fishing. I don't know, whatever. I'm just making that up. Uh, he probably told Mrs. Noah... No, guess what? We can't, we can't sign the kids up for whatever right now because God has an appointment for us. Okay? Abraham said Abraham, when he went out, he lived in tents. Abraham had to make an adjustment. His wife had to make an adjustment. If I told my wife we're going to go live in a tent, I don't think that would go over well. Right? <laughs> Abraham had no time to build a house, and God wasn't wanting him to build a house. It was an adjustment. The fishermen disciples, tell me that was an adjustment he, they made. They leave their, their occupation. That's a financial issue. That's a vocational issue. 
And it was their father's business. Now they have a relational issue going on, right? Wow, that's, that's a lot of adjustment. But when they saw Christ, they said, we're going to do it. Because this, this guy, he's the one. He's the son of God. Another person I'll just bring up, because I, this is one of my favorite stories, is Nehemiah. Boy, if you want to find out what a servant is, read the book of Nehemiah. This guy was a cupbearer to the king, but he had a heart as big as Jupiter for God's people and for the house of God, for the work of God. And so he had the favor of God because he prayed, and he was a man of prayer. And his heart was broken for Jerusalem. And here he goes from a cupbearer, and now the king sending him to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and to put reforms into place. So this guy, Nehemiah, goes from being cupbearer to the king, which was a very important job, but I imagine very posh. I'm sure he had beautiful living quarters, the whole bit, nice clothes. He goes from this environment to now becoming a wall builder and a security guard because they had enemies coming after him. And he's a governor, having to run things, having to tell people what to do and what not to do, and a reformer. And whatever else Nehemiah had to do, guess what? He did it. He did it. And so we may be butcher bakers or candlestick makers, (laughs) but whatever God wants us to do, you know, if he truly is asked, then we need to make these adjustments. So many people have made incredible adjustments, and it was worth it. The fourth and last point is the required obedience. Required obedience. You know, it's a lot like adjustment. That's why I had trouble with this a little, but adjust means to alter or move something to fit in. But obey is a lot more direct. Obey basically is just do it. Get it done. Get it done. And so we need to decide ahead of time for 2019 or any day of our lives or any year or whatever, I will obey immediately. That's how we need to be individual. And as a church, we need to be that way. We will obey immediately, immediately, Lord. Because remember this, I know we've heard this a million times. Um, delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. That's right. Partial obedience is also disobedience. So we need to obey and obey immediately. And we need to obey and decide that even if nobody else does obey, I will. And we need to decide as well, if we're parents, that our family is going to obey also. (laughs) And there's some younger people here that may be having children soon. Some are. Uh, Your kids do not rule your house. You train them. They're your servants. (laughs) That maybe went too far. I apologize. 
But you have to train them. And you have to teach them values. More than anything else, values, values, values. Okay? And I'm, I'm so pleased in my life, and I, I feel like I'm very lucky that maybe I only had one kid and it was easier. But I know Grace loves the Lord, and to me that's the thing that makes me the most happy. It makes me the most happy. And she's married now, and I know that she's going to love her husband, and she's going to support him no matter what. And these were the values, and believe me, Sue and I are not perfect at all. We've had many problems, but God is faithful. He is so faithful to us. And these are values that we taught our sweet daughter. And so um, it says in Joshua 24, Joshua made a uh, declaration. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the value that we need. Whether you have children, not children, you have a home. You have an apartment, a condo, a trailer. In that place where you live, we are going to serve the Lord. That's so important. Speaking of family, do you realize that Noah's work, the work that he was invited to, the work that he had the crisis of belief, but he chose to trust God, and then he was called to make an adjustment. Okay, I've got to change my time around. I have to obey. That work that Noah did, what did it do? It ended up saving his family. He saved his family. And I saw this many years ago when we were young and stupid, right? No, young and uh, <laughs> just married. I saw this many years ago, it hit me. As I keep, and Sue, as we keep walking with Christ, as we keep going to church, making time available for God and for his people, teaching scripture, praying, what am I doing? I am building an ark for my family. That's right. This world wants to suck in your children it wants to destroy your children. Satan is a murderer and a liar. And that's not my words. That's from the scripture. I would never say that on my own because I can't fight him on my own. But by the word of God, we can stand up to him. Praise the Lord. As we do these things and follow Christ, we are building an ark for our family. And not only for our family, but really our friends, our people in fellowship. That's what fellowship's about. That's why we come to church on Sunday and whatever other days we have set up here. I don't know, not too many right now, but, you know, someday we're going to have more small groups. That's what it's about. We are together building an ark where we're going to escape the corruption of this world. And we're going to have hope. And we're going to look to the Savior coming to save us, to take us up in rapture. Praise the Lord. And so especially if you're starting a new family, build your ark. Build your ark. Praise the Lord. 
Well, Blackaby wrote another thing here I want to quote. He said, both major adjustments and costly obedience come before you experience God's presence and power. Many churches and Christians come to this moment of truth and decide the cost is too great. What if they... What they often do not consider is what it may cost them to not obey. (laughs) There's a cost in following Christ. But if you're called, the cost is even greater if you don't. It's way greater. So let's take the better route. This this isn't really big enough and strong enough for this uh, truth, but... Many of you remember the old Fram oil filter commercial. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. And so a little prevention works, right? We want to follow Christ. So at any rate, we're going to close up here. There's an order to these things. God is working. He invites. We have to trust him. We have to make adjustments. We have to obey immediately. And once you do those things, then you see God's power. It's never the other way around. When Joshua and the Israelites went up to the Jordan River, which was in flood stage, talk about staging, right? Why would God bring us to the Jordan when it's in flood stage? Carrying an ark which I walk and step in there, I could drown. Why would God do this to me? But God said, step into it. And I'm going to take care of the rest. And he parted the Jordan. And so what is required first, before we see God's power, is that series of things, and especially the obedience. So let's make up our minds, right? We're going to, we're going to obey God immediately, continually, And guess what we're going to do? We're going to have a great 2019. Praise the Lord. All right. Just to remember one more thing. There's going to be a benevolent offering. It's the last Sunday. Uh, As you walk out, if you have some change or whatever you have, uh, it goes to help people and bless people. Remember, don't be holding on to that money. I'm telling you. Trust the Lord. (laughs) Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that the scripture is given to describe who you are, Lord, and to speak to us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that it's been said to me that the scripture is not just a book that you read. The scripture is a book that reads you. And Father, we're before you now, and, and we just surrender to you. We humble ourselves. We ask you to work in our lives. Fill us with faith, O Lord, that that we will make the right choices for you. And Father, lead us, because we know if we follow you, that's the true joy and peace and happiness in life. So help us to go out of here with commitment in our heart. And Lord, may this week be uh, just an amazing thing. And may we be looking, looking for you to work, Lord. Not doubting, but Lord, looking and believing and making application. We thank you for all of this, Father. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.